verses 4 through 7 is what we're going to be looking at today as our point of reference. And uh, because you guys are so uh, wide awake today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something that I rarely, rarely do. Stand for the reading of God's Word today, all right? Come on now. Some of you, man, I could tell the people that grew up standing with, man, they popped up like nothing there, you know. How many, how many grew up where you stood for the, for the reading of the God's Word, all right? I, we're going to mix it up today, all right? That, that is perfectly fine, all right? Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And, and, and listen, this is powerful, powerful scripture. We read this really fast, but we're going to break this down today. I believe that there is something that, that there's something today. I believe that God is going to break some bondages and God is going to break some things. How many believe that today? All right, listen, this word right here, the word of God is anointed, uh, the word of God is already anointed, so if you will receive this word today, it will transform you and it will change you, all right? I, I promise you, all right, you know, uh, before I get into this, listen, I, I, know that I know I'm going down a lot of paths, but you're standing up and you're wide awake right now. Everyone's wide awake. But you know the, the story of the, 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 the sowing of the seed and, the, and how the seed goes in different places. And one of the things that we have to be mindful of when the seed goes forth is this, to be watchful for the birds. When the seed goes forth, the enemy wants nothing more than to send the birds to come in and take the seed that is not landed and planted in our heart and do away with it. But if we got to get this down in our heart, all right? And so we're going we're gonna to pray and just ask God to do this. Philippians 4, cha- uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will re- say rejoice. Amen. That's powerful right there. That's powerful right there. Reasonable, uh, reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, are you ready for this? Do not be anxious about anything. Come on. All right, can you hear me now? I was getting anxious there for a minute, but the the scripture says, do not be anxious about what? But in everything, what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made and known to God. Listen, verse 7, are you ready for this? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is an anointed word for you today. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your mercy today. God, I pray to the, today, Lord, that you would soften our hearts for this word today. God, I pray, Lord, that it would penetrate the soil of our hearts, Lord, that the water of the Spirit would come forth, Lord, Lord, that the seed would be planted and would begin to grow in our hearts, Lord, that we would be made and known to be overcomers by, by the word, Lord, and by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb today. God, we thank you for this. God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me. God, use me how you see fit today. God, I am your vessel. God, I am nothing without you. God, I humbly come before you today and say, Lord, strengthen me today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell him this. I'm going to preach on this subject, the antidote to worry. Your antidote for worry. All right, tell, tell them that right there. The antidote for worry. All right, you may be seated. All right, some of you were getting worried because you were standing for so long, right? Some of you were a little bit concerned. Let me give you some facts about worry, okay? I'm going to give you some facts about worry. You know, how many of you uh, have a tendency to worry? How many of you worry about things that you know you shouldn't worry about? How many of you make bigger deals out of things than they need to be made? Come on, somebody. I saw some of you husbands poking your wife in the rib or, or whatever the case. But, but you know, here's the thing. Worry, worry is something that the enemy can, can put in our lives to cause confusion. Come on. To get us misguided, to cause us to trip up, right? Because if I'm worried about something, guess what? My eyes are not focused on Jesus Christ, all right? And so we have to be careful. And so here's some facts about worry, all right? 40% of the things people worry about never happen. Have you ever worried about something and then it never came to pass? Made a big deal about it and you were just concerned about it? Yeah, man, I've done that a lot. 30% of our worries are related to past matters. Now, that's silly. Let me tell you why. Because those things are already beyond our control. So why are you worried about the past? Here's, here's another one. 12% of our worries have to do with our health, even when we are not even actually ill. Have you ever made yourself sick because you weren't really sick, but you made yourself sick? Maybe in grade school you tried to make yourself sick so you wouldn't have to go to school, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. 10% of our worries are about a, a, a friend and neighbors and are not based on in evidence or fact. You know what that means? That is a lie. Sometimes we believe things and we worry about things that are not even factual, right? But look at this. Only 8% of our worries have some basis in reality, which means that over 90% of the things we worry about, we don't need to worry about. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, stop worrying. You know, that old, uh, that old adage is, like, you know, and this is probably a good old southern Indiana statement, but worry is like a rocking chair. It gives us something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere, Right? Right? You can, you can rock on your rocket chair all day long. I don't care how fast you rock, but you're going to stay stationary right there. Right? Gives you something to do, but you are not going anywhere. You know, uh, 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 Charles Spurgeon, that great uh, preacher, he said it like this. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. So while we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, while we have anxiety about what tomorrow may be, we are robbing ourselves today of the strength that God has given us. I love that. There's this story. A recently licensed pilot was flying his private plane on a cloudy day, and he, and he was not very experienced in instrument landing. And when the control tower was going to bring him in, he began to, to panic. I mean, I don't know about you. I would begin to panic. And with a loud, stern voice, it came over the radio, and this was the radio tower, and they said this, you just obey instructions, and we'll take care of the obstructions. And I can't help but wonder, that is us in our lives. We, we are, we're going through this journey, this Christian walk, and we're flying, and it's a cloudy day. 
and the tower, we're talking to the Lord, we're talking to the Lord, and we're concerned, and God is telling you, hey, I will give you step-by-step instructions to get this plane on the ground, but we're worried about all the obstructions that we cannot see. How many know that we have to learn to put our trust in Jesus? Amen? A lot of times we want to put our trust in our worry and our situations, and I I don't know about you, but but okay. So looking at this scripture, I want I want to read it one more time. Philippians four four through seven says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Again, I will I will say, "Rejoice." I like it. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which pass, surpasses all understanding, will what guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is the first thing. Here's the antidote to worry. The antidote to worry. Listen, I know sometimes in life, uh, even the most seasoned saints will begin to worry about things that, that at times, right? How many of you have have let your knees shudder at situations and let situations, and you you stayed up all night worrying about a, a particular situation? But listen, here's the first thing that that Paul reminds us. The Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church at Philippi. And while he's writing this, he's giving them good counsel while he is in jail. He's telling them, hey, don't worry about anything. I'm in jail. It's okay. Crazy, right? Why did Paul have peace? Because he knew that God had him. He knew that God would protect him. So look at this. Here's number one, point number one, if you're taking notes right here. You got to fix your attitude. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, fix your attitude. Listen, one of the things that I loathe, one of the things that I have disdain for, come on, somebody, one of the things that gets on my nerves is a bad attitude. Bad attitudes spread, right? Someone has a bad attitude, and they say something to you, and then you have a bad attitude, right? And then that someone else has a bad attitude, and then everybody's got a bad attitude because one person decided to have a bad attitude. I can't stand bad attitudes. I've got kids, and let me tell you something. Sometimes they be getting on my nerves. Man, I'm preaching in this house. I feel the anointing. And here's what happens when I get in a bad attitude. This is me. I get frustrated with myself because I don't want to be in a bad attitude, but I get I start getting frustrated. And you know what happens? I get frustrated with myself, and then I start lashing out at the people that love me dearly, and I, and I do things to them, and I say things to them that I really don't mean. Come on, somebody. I'm getting down here. I'm getting real on the floor right now, aren't I? And that's what happens is, that, you know, when, when, so my bad attitude makes me even more frustrated with my own attitude. Come on, somebody. Oh, my parents had a great way of dealing with my bad attitude. They'd say things like this. Do you need an attitude adjustment? And let me tell you something. I've learned through experience that is a rhetorical question. That is not meant to, to have an answer. That is meant... That is meant for reflection. That's mom's way of saying, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, son. That's dad's way of saying, hey, you better pull it back, buddy. 
right? Come on. Bad attitudes, bad attitudes. I, I tell you what, it, and it's interesting to me, but, you know, uh, it, it amazes me how bad, how a bad situation sometimes with no importance can wreck our whole day in an instance. It's 8% of our day, and we're worried about it, and it'll change our whole day. You know, everything else in the day could be going great, and one situation can ruin it all, Right? Oh, it, it, it's frustrating, I, and I get frustrated, and I get upset, and, and, and I get a bad attitude. You know, I, I had this friend, he was a youth pastor in, in Southern California at a very, at a, rare, a fairly large church, and, and in the process, I was talking to him one day, and I, I, and he told me, he said, you know, he goes, sometimes when I'm, when I'm serving, I get frustrated at different things, and he goes, and when I have a bad attitude, he goes, that is the number one sign for me that I need to, number one, start praying. That's the first thing that I need to do is start praying because I've got a bad attitude. I've allowed something in my life. And, and, and he said, when I begin to pray or when I begin to worship, it helps to fix my attitude. It begins to fix my attitude. So one of the best ways that we can change our attitude is this word right here, rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Rejoice when always is what Paul tells us. Rejoice in the Lord what? And again, I say, okay, come on now. Rejoice means to be glad or to, to have joy again. Be glad in the Lord or always is what he's saying. Be glad in the Lord always. And I say, be glad in the Lord. That's what he's saying. Be glad in the Lord. How many can say, hey, I need to work on being glad in the Lord. Amen. Thank you for the five of you that are honest in this building today. How many know sometimes you have to tell yourself to rejoice? Because it is not always natural for me. You got to tell yourself, hey, I am going to rejoice regardless of what happens today. Regardless of what happens in this situation, I have made up my mind. I'm going to be like Paul. Even though I'm in prison, I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to encourage some people in Philippi. I'm going to tell them about the joy of the Lord. I'm going to tell them that he is their strength. And I'm going to tell them all those things. And so sometimes you got to tell yourself rejoice. Everyone look at yourself and say rejoice. Can you even look at yourself? I don't even know if that's possible. Well, you say this, Pastor, you don't know my problem. And you're right. I don't know everybody's problem in here. You know, I've had people come up to me before and say, Pastor, did you, were you preaching at me today? And I say, absolutely not, because I just follow the leading of the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit dealing with you, using me to deal with you. And, and I don't go around, I don't know everyone's issue in here, and I don't go around writing down everyone's issue and then prepare a sermon because of your issue. I am not that good. I promise you I'm not that good. But the Holy Spirit knows what you need to hear when you need to hear it. But you say, hey, you don't know my problem, you, you, you know, and I don't know your, your problem. And, I, and it would be near impossible for me to know everybody's situation. Everyone look to the left and everyone look to the right real fast. Come on, I'm going to keep you awake. You know what? You just looked at someone they may be put together on the outside. They may have makeup on. They may have their hair done. They may not have hair. They may look nice. Their clothes may look good. They may look like they have it all together. But let me tell you something. There is probably some drama somewhere in their life that they are struggling with, right? And that happens, and, and that's okay. But, but here's the thing. This is what you need to know. This is what you know, uh, I, that we should rejoice. So why should I rejoice, Pastor? I want you to look around again at those same same people who were tore up from the floor up at one point. All right? I want you to do this. If God has done, I did this a minute ago, but if God has done something in your life, raise your hand again. Now that is worth rejoicing over. Amen? Amen? 
Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say it again. I like I like Paul. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Don't make me say that again like your mom and dad, right? Don't make me repeat myself, right? And here's the thing. It's an attitude. It is a choice on our part to say I will rejoice regardless of what the devil throws at me, regardless of what the world throws at me today, regardless of the situation, I will rejoice. Maybe you're here today, you say, hey, I got more month than I have money. Anybody ever been there before, right? I, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I will rejoice. Maybe you're having relationship issues today. I will rejoice. Maybe you come from a broken home. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness. I will rejoice. You should rejoice. Let me tell you why you should rejoice, all right? You ready for this? Everyone say, get ready, buckle up. Here we go. This is why you ought to rejoice. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. No matter what kind of situation, what kind of problem, what kind of anxiety, what kind of worry that you're dealing with, God is putting that all together, and he is going to work it for his good. Now, come on, that's worth rejoicing about. Amen? Rejoice always. Oh, man, and I'll say this. If God allows it in your life, he is going to use it to fulfill his purpose. What do you mean if God allows it? You know, uh, the devil went to, to the Lord and said, hey, give me your servant Job. And God allowed him to, to, to put everything he threw at Job. And Job would not turn uh, his back on God. And so listen, so certain things in our lives, I don't know, I don't always understand situations. I don't know why we have to go through sickness. I don't always understand those things. But can I tell you this, God is going to work it for his purpose. I, I begin to think about this, Brad Tincher, he's uh, up in the hospital still in Methodist. And, and one of the things that when I visited with him, he, he has such a great countenance up there. He's been saying this. He says, you know what, this is a big old test, but I'm going to have a huge testimony when I get out of this place. And that's the way you got to look at life. Amen. Rejoice in all things. Let me give you some things to rejoice about. How about this? Rejoice that Jesus paid it all. Rejoice that he gave us his word. Rejoice that he has, does the miraculous. Rejoice because of his resurrection. Rejoice because of his forgiveness. Rejoice because of the gospel. Rejoice because of his Holy Spirit. Rejoice because of God's people. Rejoice because of God's vengeance. And number one, rejoice because God is glorious and worth all our praise. Amen. When we are glad in our God, our God is magnified over our little situation. When we rejoice in the Lord, my situation becomes very, very small. And the problem is we're taking the magnifying glass and we're putting it on our problem instead of putting it on our God. So we've got to learn to fix our attitude. And the, the first way that we can do that is begin to make the choice to rejoice regardless of the perspective, regardless of the problem. I will rejoice. Here's number two right here. Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious. All right? Do not be anxious. Verse 6 says this. This is how you fix your attitude. Do, don't be anxious for nothing. Anxious means to be consumed. Have you ever been consumed by thought, by worry, by anxiety? 
You're up at night. You're stressing. You're struggling with this issue. I don't know how to get over this. I don't know how to deal with this. Or, or, and, and anxious also can mean this, divided mind between legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. Come on, somebody. I just got down in the middle of your row and sat right there and started talking to you. The Holy Spirit's dealing right now. The Greek word for nothing means this. Are you ready for this? Not a single thing. Not a single thing. Don't be anxious for not even a single thing. Not even a single thing. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't sweat the small stuff. Oh, man, here's the thing. Not, we're, we're not to worry about, uh, don't be anxious about things. Don't, not one issue, not one mess, not one headache, not one situation, not one loss, not one obstacle, not one pickle, not one quandary, not one predicament, and not one worry. Nothing. We're not supposed to worry about it. Don't be consumed over by anything and fix your attitude. Everyone say, fix your attitude. Oh, a lot of us are consumed and burned up with worry and anxiety. When God's prescription and God's antidote is in the scripture, it's not to worry about it and don't let it consume you. Right? It's really simple. But, man, we, we really make it hard. I, I, when I was working in the oil fields, I, I was a supervisor. And, I, you know, I, at, at one point I, ha- I was wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of things, and I was super stressed out with, with situation going on. And one of the, the ladies that I worked with, she was, she was a sweet lady, you know, kind of like a, a mother figure for me. And, and, and she began to see me and my countenance, and I was working, and she saw me stressed. And she, she came up to me one day, and she goes, are you all right, kid? And, you know, and I said, yeah, I am. I just got I got this, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about this, and this, and this, and this, and what if this happens, and this is all work-related stuff, okay? And she, she made this statement to me, and she said, it'll be okay, they cannot eat you. And I was like, you are absolutely right. I'm going to be okay. And that's our problem is we let the things of this world and the things of the devil come in and they begin to eat at us. And here's the thing. Our, our attitudes and our emotions drive us sometimes and when, we, when we feel the pressures of life and, and stress. And listen to me. You've heard me say this before. Emotions are good passengers, but they're terrible drivers. Because they'll put you in places that, that you make bad decisions just because you're making decisions on emotions. Come on, rather than walking by faith. Come on, somebody, right? We walk by faith, not by sight, not by what we feel. We walk by faith. We walk by what this word tells us, and that's how we walk this thing out. So God, here's the thing. I mean, honestly, let's think about this for a minute. The scripture says that God never sleeps or slumbers. Why in the world are you up at night stressing when God never sleeps, why don't you just let him worry about it and you go get some rest? He's the God of the universe. He can handle it, right? He can stay up all night. He doesn't need coffee in the morning. Come on, somebody, right? Amen. Trust him by faith. Turn it over to him. Roll it over and go to bed in Jesus' name, right? Everyone say, fix your attitude. Start rejoicing and, and stop being consumed by the worries of life, by, by anxiety. Here's number two right here. All right? Take action. Everyone say, take action. Take action. You know what they do when they start a movie? They, they take that clapperboard, right, and they put it in front of the camera, and they go, click. And they say what? Thank you. They say what? All right. 
Some of you have worked in the Hollywood industry, right? Or you've seen some movies where they make they they take that clapperboard and go action. You know what they're signifying is now is the time to to all those lines that you learned, all those things that you've been practicing. Now is the time to put those things into action and move on those things and make those things work. Here's the problem with us. A lot of us know the word of God, but when it comes to action, we don't get up, we don't move, we don't do what we're supposed to. And the director, the Lord's going, action, cut, Skiles, you got to get up, you got to put one foot in front of the other, you got to rejoice, that's the first thing. All right, ready? All right, action. Come on, Skiles, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Am I talking to anybody today? Come on, come on. Take some action. Here's verse 6, it says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, everyone say prayer. And supplication, say supplication, say with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. So taking action, following directions, you'll never bake the cake unless you follow the directions, right? Listen, I I, I can't bake a cake by myself without knowing that I have to look on the back of the box, the Betty Crocker box or whatever they are, the cake boxes, and I I have to look at it and go, okay, I need to turn the oven on to this, I need to mix this, I need to, I'm very precise, I got to know all those things, but you got to follow God's prescription, God's antidote for worry and situations. The problem is we just like to sit there and we want God to move, but God is waiting on us to take a step of faith sometimes. Come on, somebody. God's waiting on us. Hey, I'll move in your life, but I need you to show me that you trust me. You need to take that first step. Look at this. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, three things here the Apostle Paul hits us with to help us to stop worrying about. Number one is this prayer. Everyone say prayer. Now, that word prayer, when you look at that in the Greek, it is, it is uh, prosuke, which, which is the word, uh, very close to the word worship, pros, proskuneo is the word for worship, but it's the Greek word, and it literally means, it's a cousin, to, they're very similar, it means worship. Everyone say worship. Here's the problem with some of our prayers. Some of you guys' prayers are messed up. Sometimes my prayers are messed up because here's what I do. I come in and just start laying my petition at God's feet. And God wants us to come in with a heart of worship first. Come on, somebody. Oh, here's what happens. We come in. God, here's my dilemma. God, can, Lord, here's my care. Here's all these things. And God wants to take those things. But here's what Jesus taught his disciples when he prayed. He, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, right? right? And then he said, hallowed be thy name. You know what that means? Holy is your name. Even Jesus taught us that when we come to the Father, when we come to God, we are to come with praise first. Come on, somebody. All right, come on now. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, hey, hey, I, I know you're quiet right now. God's talking, right? So, so look at this. Jesus taught us, and he taught us that. And so holy is thy name. It, it starts with worship to the God of the universe. So, see, God has has a good track record, right? I, I can tell you this. God has, had, has a perfect track record in my life. And this is what happens. When I begin to look back over my life and I look at the things that God brought me from and I go back and I say, man, God, I can't believe you did that then. And God, you did this here and Lord, you did this here and you did this here. And here's the, that puts me in this spot right here in my life. And then, you know what, God, even if you don't do anything else in my life, I've got enough to look back and praise you for for the rest of my life. Come on, somebody, right? Amen. 
God's been good to me. You got to be like David. You got to start with worship. I, I love Psalm 34.1. It's just been, been just rolling through my heart. It's, it starts like this. I will bless the Lord at what? At all times. Come on. His praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. Come on. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It starts with worship. It starts with praise. Amen. But here's the problem. A lot of us want to give God praise on the backside of the miracle instead of the front side of the miracle. Oh, it's easy to praise God after you've been delivered and God gave you the job and, and all those things. It's easy to be on the side. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Because it's what he's done. But here's the thing. It's hard to praise him when you, when you have to trust him and you don't know what it looks like moving ahead. So it's about building a lifestyle of worship. And here's the problem with us. We want to worship him at the end of our miracle, but we don't want to worship him before he's even started moving and working things. And a lot of times he's waiting on us to take that, that step of faith. How many know that God is worthy? Amen. He, worship him. Come on. Come on. Worship him. Lift your hands and begin to worship him in this house. But in everything, in everything by prayer and supplication. Here's, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing right here. Supplication. Everyone say supplication. That is petition or a prayer request. That is this. The second action is to sup. Not what's up. Sup is to sup. What does that mean? I don't know. Ask the young generation. They have all these words, right? All right. Sup or, or to pish, petition is this, is to make my request known. Have you ever, uh, you know, been afraid to ask someone something and, and, and you don't know, and so you never ask them, and then you go and you finally ask them, and, and you're like, if I'd have known, I would have given you that because, but you didn't let me know that you needed that, right? Have you ever went to your parents and, 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 and you know, when you're younger and just said, you know, you're afraid to ask your parents, hey, can I, can I take the car out Friday or can I do this? But here's the thing, you'll never know if you don't. Ask. It's it's interesting to me. I you know I, you got to be like blind Barnabas. I, I love the story of blind Barnabas because here's what happened. He is blind, but he hears that Jesus is coming, and 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 you know he is not cute about his his discretion when Jesus comes on that road. He he says he says, "Son of David, have mercy." And everyone around him is like, "You be quiet, blind man. Hush up, hush up." And he's all, "Son of David, have mercy!" And he yells it louder and louder until he gets Jesus' attention. Some of us want to be cute in church. Some of us need to learn that sometimes, man, we we gotta we gotta just lay it out there to the Lord. Lord, this is what my need is. This is what my request is. Amen. I, I love that guy. Uh, some of you need to be be like the woman with the issue of blood. I don't care. Get out of my way. I have to get to Jesus. Oh, I have a need, and I, I, the only one that can answer it is the Lord. So 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 petition Him. See, here's the thing. God is omniscient. What does that mean? He knows everything. You know, God knows your thoughts right now. God knows if you're paying attention or not paying attention right now. Oh, wait. Hey, Pastor, I, well, I heard what you said. Omniscient. I heard that, right? All right. But omniscient, he knows everything. Matthew 6 tells us that God knows what you have need of before you even ask him. Well, that's interesting. So why does, why does he need to hear my prayer? Why does he need my, my, me to, to petition? Why, why does he need me to do that? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's important to my message, all right? So here's the thing. When we ask him to intercede, we are casting our cares on him. What we're saying is, God, 
I need your help. God already knows I need his help. But it's me going, God, this burden is heavy. Help me. Take this thing. Get this thing off of me. When we intercede, we're saying, God, you are enough. I can't handle this. You take control. Jesus, take the will, right? And we're asking in faith. The problem is sometimes we pray to inform God instead of requesting God. Right? God bless Sister Smith. God already knows Sister Smith needs, needs a miracle. Right? But we should be requesting, God, I request, Lord, that you would touch her body. I request, Lord. You said in your word, Lord, that there's healing, God, by the stripes you took on, on your back. God, I'm requesting, Lord, that you would touch her body. Here's the problem. Stop praying uh, when, you, when you sup with the Lord, when, you, when you're requesting things to the Lord. Stop informing him and start requesting of him. Right? And then everything, prayer, supplication. And, and, and it goes on to say this. Here's the last one right here. Thanksgiving. Let your request be known. Everyone say Thanksgiving. That word Thanksgiving is, is Eucharista, which is where we get our word Eucharist, which is where uh, the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Why do we take communion so we can remember, so we can have Thanksgiving for what Jesus Christ did on Calvary for us? It's gratitude. Uh, everyone say, you got to have an attitude with gratitude. Thanksgiving, worship, worship, supplication, and Thanksgiving. And God is telling us, I want you to stop and think about this. God is telling us, all right, look at this. God, I'm going to show you something. There's a real good spiritual principle. It's easy to overlook really fast, okay. But if you read it really fast, you're going to miss it. Here's a good principle. God is telling us to pray and worship about it, tell God our request, and then to begin to thank him. He's telling us to sandwich our problem in between prayer and thanksgiving. Think about that for a minute. He's saying, hey, this thing is thick. It's, it may be tough in the middle, but I'm going to be the bookends on this, and I have got control of this. I, uh, you man, I, uh, man you, be, you have to learn to thank him in advance. See, this is the problem. A lot of us don't, uh, don't want to thank the Lord in advance because it's hard. But it takes faith for me to say, hey, God, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. But, Lord, your word says that you work all things for the good of them that love the Lord or are called according to, to, to your purpose, God. And so, Lord, I am going to trust you. And, God, I'm going to thank you regardless of what it looks like, regardless of the situation. I will thank you in this situation. Thank him in advance. Maybe you're here and you say, I don't have my healing, but, Lord, I'm going to thank you in advance. I'm going to thank you for your touch. God, I'm going to thank you for turning my job situation. I'm going to thank you for healing my marriage, even though it may be falling apart. God, I'm going to thank you for blessing, uh, for bless, throwing, bringing a blessing my way. Look at this in this scripture right here, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. I love this, this verse. Paul reiterates exactly what he's speaking in Philippians right here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18 says this. Rejoice always. Come on, rejoice. Everyone say rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Everyone say pray. Verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice, prayer, thanksgiving. Rejoice, prayer, thanksgiving. And this is what this tells me is this. It, it, when I get my attitude right and I begin to take action and I begin to follow the antidote and follow what God's word says for my life. And I begin to worship and I begin to petition and I begin to give him th and, uh, thanksgiving in all circumstances. And that means in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Amen. 
God, I, I, I'm going to rejoice, and God, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give you thanks. Here, here's the great thing right here, all right, as the worship team comes. Come on, worship team. Here's the great thing right here. Here's what happens. After, after we, we take action, we begin to move. This is the after effects. Everyone say after effects. How many of you remember learning in school about cause and effect? I remember learning all about cause and effect. You know, if you, if you do this, this will happen, right? If you do this, this will happen. If you leave the water on in the sink and plug it up, it's going to override, right? There's cause and effect. There's, there's situation. But here is the effects. This is what happens when we fix our attitude, when we start to take action, we begin to follow God's word, follow his plan for us. This is what happens. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is very potent right here. The word peace there means exemption from havoc. It means God's going to give you a peace and you aren't going to worry about all the havoc. It means security. It means safety. It means prosperity. And, and, and it also means this, that God joins you to his prosperity and his peace. Let me show you something real, real fast here. Hey, Tyler, come here, come here, come here, Tyler. I've asked Tyler to come help me. Avery, come help me real fast right here. Man, since Wyatt's on the, on the live stream, Wyatt's like, thank you. Just stand right there. Stand right there at those. At those. This is the thing. This is what, this is what the Scripture tells us, that, that, that God will give us peace. He'll guard our hearts and our minds, right? So the devil is after two things. He's trying to steal two things from you, okay? He's trying to steal your peace, but this is how he does it. He, he goes towards the gate of your heart, and he goes to the gate of your mind. Come on, somebody. So look at this. Uh, what, what about the heart? Jeremiah says this about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's what the scripture says, okay? Listen, the things that come from my heart are deceitful and they're wicked. And so that tells me that I can't even trust my own heart sometimes because sometimes I don't, I don't always want to make the right judgment. But look at this. Proverbs 4.23 goes on to say, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Here's the things, the things that get into our heart, guess what? They, they, they start right here in our mind, and they drop down in our heart, and, and then they begin to come out of us. Worry starts here in our mind. So look at this. Let's talk about the mind real fast. Isaiah 26.3. You guys look good up here. All right. Uh, Isaiah 26.3 says this. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on you because he trusts in you. That is a promise. That is a promise. That's not just a statement. That is a promise to you and me. If you keep your mind on the Lord, he will keep you at what? Perfect peace. Are you going to take him at his word? Do you trust him? Do you trust his word? Do you have faith in his word? But look at this. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. We destroy arguments and we every lofty opinion raised against us and the knowledge, uh, anything against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ before it gets into the gates of our mind. So, so check this out. Dakota, come help me, buddy. Man, sorry, it's all right. Listen, Dakota, I, I want you to, this is Dakota, everybody. I love this guy. He was my roommate down in Guatemala. He's a good roommate. So check this out. So he's going to be anxiety. He's going to be worry. He's going to be stressed, and he's going to be our problem. But this is what the scripture says. The perfect peace of God will guard your heart and mind. So listen, right here is the gate to my heart. This is the gate to my heart. Now your job is to keep Dakota here. Dakota, listen, Avery, your job is to keep Dakota from going here. This is my mind. This is what the devil's trying to get to. He's trying to get to my mind. He's trying to get, and wickedness and all these things. So listen, I want you to go over there. I want you to attempt to go up those stairs. Tyler, I want you to be the peace of God. Come on. Come on. Keep him out of there. Come on. 
There you go. Nope, not coming in today. Not today, Satan. All right? So I want you to come over here. The devil comes in, and, and he's battling. He's trying to get into your mind, and the peace of God will say, no way, Jose. Get out of here. You don't belong here. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It reminds me of that commercial, that Geico commercial. How many of you know? Dikembo Matumbo, right? You know, the big guy, the big seven foot two guy who played for the Denver Nuggets basketball player. And his big thing was, no, 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 not in my house. He's from Africa. And, and you know, that Geico commercial, and these guys are trying to throw trash away in, in, in the office, and they're throwing it to the trash can, and he goes, oh. Hey, man. He's saying, not today, devil. No, 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 no. My peace, my peace will keep you. My peace will keep you. Not, no, you're not going to conflict their mind. No, you're not going to conflict their hearts with doubt. You're not going to put anxiety where it doesn't belong. You're not going to put worry where it belongs, uh, where, where you think it belongs. Because guess what? My peace will protect you. Amen. Here's what happens. God's peace will guard your heart and your mind from, from the fiery darts of anxiety and worry and even whatever your problem is. And here's what happens. You'll experience the calm in chaos. In the middle of chaos, you'll, you'll be calm. People will look at you and go, how are you so calm right now? I don't know. It's the peace of God. It's just, it's just sustaining me. It's just keeping me right now. You should be falling apart. I know, but it's so cool that God's got me right in the palm of his hand. But here's the thing. You know that God heard your prayer, but... Uh, not necessarily because of your problem is gone, but because the peace of God is with you. Just because you pray doesn't mean your problem is going to be gone. But what that tells me is that the peace of God will be with me. He'll walk with me and he'll help me and he'll, he'll guard my mind. He'll guard my heart. So Paul says it, that, that this peace, it passes all understanding. It passes our own fathom. Uh, we can't fathom this peace. We don't even understand it. This world can't comprehend it. God's peace guards our hearts and our minds and, our, and protects our feelings and our thoughts. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse, verse 27, when he is leaving his disciples. Jesus said this, and this is a promise to you, and this is a promise to me, not just to the disciples, but it says this. Jesus said, peace I what? Leave with you. I give you peace to overcome worry. I give you peace to overcome anxiety. I, I, my peace I give to you. I give it to you. It's, it's yours. Take it. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? The world gives just so they can get something. God says you can have it because I love you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? Maybe you're here today and you say, hey, I, I've had a bad attitude. Pastor, that's been me. I've struggled. I've, I've just, and I've got to get some focus back. I've let the little things in life, God, allowed anxiety, and I shouldn't have allowed those things to bother me. I've struggled with those things. I need to make those things right. If you're here today and you say, hey, Pastor, I've got, I've got to make, make those things right in my heart. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. And you say, hey, and here's the thing. When you come to a relationship with Jesus, he, he makes all things new. He makes things right. He, he brings things uh, fresh. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, this is your invitation to know him today. I believe it's important to come to this come to this moment. And under the sound of my voice and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You felt it the whole service. Say, hey, I, I need to know Jesus today. I need to know him as my personal Savior. 
If that's you, would you, no one looking around, please, no one looking around, just lift your hand. I, I just want to pray with you. Anybody in this building right now, take just a moment here, just to take a moment. As we wait just a moment, just a moment. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Here's, here's the thing. If you're here and you say, hey, pastor, had a bad attitude. Sweating the small things, then ate up with worry and anxiety. I don't even know how those things have gotten in my life, but today I, I, I'm gonna do the first thing. I'm gonna ask the Lord to fix my attitude, and then I'm gonna take some action. I'm gonna move forward. I'm gonna begin to pray, petition, and give thanksgiving, just so I can feel the, the peace of God as it can protect my mind and my heart. But if that's you, and you say, "Hey, that's me, Pastor." Let me lift your hand. Anybody in here? Thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Hands going up all over the place. Will you stand with me? This is what I want to do. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Sula, prayer team, come down here. Come down here, prayer team. I, I feel compelled to do this today because I, I believe that, that, that strongholds are going to be broken. Listen, can, can I just be super transparent with you? Can I, can I just be real with you for just a minute? This sermon today was for me. It may, not even for you, it was for me. Because there's been things I've been battling in my mind and battling in my heart. You say, man, can the devil even trip up the pastor sometimes? Yeah, he can make me lose my focus. But this is what I held. I know the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard my heart and guard my mind. Listen, I'll be the first person today to say, hey, I'll come down here and say, God, I need... I need my attitude fixed. God, I need my, my heart fixed. So in this moment, if you're here, you say, hey, I don't want to be the first person. I'm here. So come. So come. So come.